Welcome to episode 106 of the Put a Ring on It podcast. I'm your host, Danielle. And I'm Dan the man. The other host. <laughs> the other host. The backup host. <laughs> <laughs> we all know me as the heart of this, and Danielle is the logic, is the brains. And that's what we're here. That's what we're here for. We're talking about the things that you don't want to forget to do as you're kind of going through the wedding planning process. I love episodes like this because I think it's really small, tangible tips that you can take away, take action on, and make your day all the better for it. And we shared 11 specific things. We talked about a whole bunch, and hopefully it helps you as you kind of go through the wedding planning process. Absolutely. Listen. We've been doing this podcast for a long time, and it's bigger than we had ever expected it to be. But we're just going to keep putting things out there. We want to keep helping as many couples as possible. The wedding industry is a interesting place, and it can be filled with a lot of FOMO and a lot of stuff that can be distracting from the whole entire point of having a wedding which is having all your people under one roof for a happy reason, joy, right? In that sense, we've created this community called The Ringer Club. If you go to patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I, we can come alongside you and you can come alongside us. We can come alongside you and help be your wedding resource and give you some attention and help answer your questions on a very more personal basis by using our Facebook group. But the other thing that you can do is you coming alongside us and joining the Ringer Club means that the money that you pay us goes directly to other couples to help us keep bringing information to them. Our Ringer Club founding member category on Patreon is sold out. The next one that we have is the Ringer Club early supporter. It's just five bucks a month. That's it. And by doing that, you get to be part of basically our Ringer Club that's on Facebook. You can ask questions in there. We're hanging out in there. There's other people in there. So it's us. It's other couples. I mean, there's just a whole lot of help, and you do not have to go through this thing alone. So that is my long, crazy thing about Patreon because it's helpful. And even as somebody in the wedding industry, when I was planning our wedding and Rachel and I were planning our wedding, there's a steep learning curve. And we're here to help you navigate that curvy road and make it straight for you. There you go. Let's dive in. Planning a wedding is hard work, am I right? But you are not alone. Welcome to the Put a Ring on It podcast. I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner of DP Knack Events. I'm Dan Moyer, wedding photographer of Daniel Moyer Photography. Together, we are two wedding pros with a fork ton of experience sharing our best tips and tricks. And downright sensible advice for a wedding that feels good to you. Plain and simple, we got your back. Hey, Dan, are you ready? Let's do this. What's up, Dizzle? What's up, Demizzle? <laughs> I'm I'm bad at the I can't. <laughs> Faux drizzle. Yeah, anyway. Why does Snoop Dogg have an umbrella? Faux drizzle. Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know how our phones listen to us. I mean, take that with what you will. But mine now, as I scroll through my Instagram reels, now I'm getting a lot of dad jokes, and I blame you. Uh yeah. I'm here for it, but I blame you. Yeah, that's definitely what it is. They know that you're a host of the Put Around a Podcast, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they're on to me. <laughs> they know that at the end of so many episodes, and if you guys don't know this, we put dad jokes at the end of episodes. So if you're not listening until after the credits, you're missing out. That's true. It's our little treat. It is our little treat. Speaking of treats, <laughs> random segue, this episode I'm really excited for. 
unlike the other episodes. I'm not excited for those other episodes we do, but this one. <laughs> I just say I'm excited for those episodes, but I'm really excited for this episode. <laughs> I just smile and nod. I keep getting this question from many of my couples. And we also just did a wedding tip Wednesday about this, I think a couple weeks ago, but regularly at my planning meetings and those final planning meetings with all my couples, I'm getting this same question, which is what are we forgetting? What things are we forgetting? What are we not doing? What do most couples forget? Variations of this question. And I think it's such a good one, especially talking about right now, we were talking about this kind of pre-show, the mental bandwidth that so many of us have used up in the last year and a half just from life. Forget about wedding planning. That's a whole other separate thing of postponing and whatever. But just the bandwidth that we have used up. And I think a lot of people out there are just saying, like, what are we missing? Because we've just used so much of it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it also comes down to for our couples, and this is right now July of 2021 that we're recording this. So if you're listening to it in the future, hopefully you've got more bandwidth than us here in the present day. Yep. But I think what a lot of it comes down to, too, is for our couples that have had to postpone, they did so much of the planning for some of them prior to postponing. So now they're left with this like weird chunk of of time, like this lull where they're going, all right, well, what are we forgetting? We have the big stuff in place. What could we be doing with this time to get proactive or get ahead? Or what could we be thinking of to make our future lives a little bit better or easier? And this list that Dan and I put together is really a random hodgepodge list of different things that we've seen that could make a really big difference in the day. I mean, it's not life or death major stuff, but just these little things that kind of help make the day flow a little bit better help you out a little bit in the future. So we wanted to share them. Yeah. So we've got a good list here. There's some that I'm like everything else that I'm going to be way more passionate about. And there's some that you're going to be more passionate about. So I think you should start it off because I feel like this first one is really good. Actually, you know what? No, no, no. I'm going to start this one off because... It's your podcast too, Dan. Because it's my podcast too. Actually, no, it's because this past weekend I had a wedding that had in Philly, there's all of these races and all kinds of stuff that always happen. And I did not check beforehand. And so my normal travel route into Philadelphia was not open. <laughs> a little janky, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was a little janky. So that leads us to things couples forget number one, which is check for big local events before booking a specific date. Yes. Y'all, there's only so much within your control here. There's going to be things that might pop up after you book your date and after you book your venue, and that's fine. Life will go on and it'll be okay. I think for me, big local events like festivals or sporting events, they just add traffic, parking complications, limited hotel availability. We're literally going through this now with one couple that there's a big golf tournament going on the same weekend. You can only control so much, but if you can check first before you make a decision, at least then going in, you go, well, you know, we checked, we did our due diligence. There's only so much we can do and then go from there. And if you're getting married on a weekend in your area that sometimes has these types of things, all that means is you need to get on the booking train a little bit earlier for your hotels and maybe give your vendors a heads up like, hey, there's this thing going on. Yeah. So definitely check, even if you're not close to a big city, because I feel like a lot of people might say like, oh, I'm not close to a city. Don't worry about it. I can tell you that uh, a couple years ago, there was the NHL draft or something near Philly. 
and all of the hotels in the greater Philadelphia area, we're like 15 miles outside the city. I'm thinking, oh, it's fine. It's not going to be a big deal, right? It was packed and a whole bunch of hotel blocks were not available. So we were scrounging. We thought, oh, our venue, our hotel is going to give us a room block and they'll be able to give us more if we fill it up. Well, we filled up our room block immediately, even like pretty far out. And then we went to get more and they're like, oh no, we're full booked up. So even if you're not super close to a city, definitely check it out. But there's going to be big things like a couple of years ago. There was also like the Pope came into Philadelphia and another one of those things, massive, massive travel restrictions. But even just the hotels booked way far out, 30, 45 minutes, an hour plus out were all booked up. So find a nice wide radius to double check in your area of things that are happening on your wedding weekend. Yeah, that's where Google's a friend. Just get on the Google, see what you can find out. All right. Second thing, and this is one I think that really plays into your strengths here, Dan. The second thing that couples sometimes forget to do is to look at their venue at night or whatever time of day that your wedding is going to be taking place. I think it's very common that if we have an evening reception, we do all these meetings during the day and we go tour and we do all these wonderful things and that's all great and well. But then when the night times comes, it feels like oh, we didn't realize that this lighting looked like this or there was this really dark corner that parking is really sketchy and crazy. So those are things that as you're kind of going through the planning process or deciding which venue you want to book, I really recommend trying to view your venue at that time. Also because sunset and sunlight just in general play a really important role in the day. I think Oftentimes when we're doing a walkthrough, we'll go to the spot where the ceremony is going to take place. And I always ask them, like, where's the sunset right now? And if they don't know, we just get out a compass. But where is the sunset? Because at that time of day, the sun's going to be in somebody's eyes, probably. So we have to figure out where that is. And if you're there in the morning, it can be a totally different vibe than when you're there at the actual time. Yeah, definitely a good thing to know, especially if you want to have that outdoor kind of pseudo sunsetty kind of ceremony. So definitely check those things out and note them down, but also don't be hyper concerned about where the sun is going to be because there's so many times in my early years where I would do site visits and check things out and come up with these big lists of where things are going to be. And then on the wedding day, it's cloudy or there's like a table for cocktail hour where I want to do family formals. So just have certain areas and just be familiar with the landscape and the layout of your venue to be able to answer those questions and talk about it with your special people like your wedding coordinators. That's very true. Yeah, and your wedding photographer and videographer and all that stuff, if they ask for it. The next one is a really good one, and I want you to talk about it. If we say that every single one of these is a really good one, I guess we did a good job of putting the list together, but it feels a little redundant. So as you're budgeting, it is very normal to go through and say, okay, for the photographer, we're going to try and stay within this range. For food and beverage, we're going to stay within this range. For transportation, we're going to be in this range. However, as does things happen, many, many couples forget to include in the budget a budget line for gratuities. Now, you're not going to necessarily have to tip every single one of your vendors. There are certain categories where it's really required to tip in the same sense as it is when you go to a restaurant here in the United States. Other categories are a little bit more tip if you feel like they just really went above and beyond for you and you just want a really lovely way to say thank you. All that to say, it can really add up, especially the line item for your catering budget for gratuity. That's often one of your biggest chunks because you've got servers and bartenders and waitstaff and kitchen help and all those different things. For some, that's included in your contract. 
If you see gratuity in there, then you're good to go. Service charge is not a gratuity, so please make sure you note that. But otherwise, it can really add up. So if you budget for it early, when it comes time to figure out who all you're tipping, it's not a shock to the bank account. Question for you. So like the wait staff or the bartenders or whatever, is the couple paying that? Because sometimes I see the jar that's out on the table where people can put money in it. Are they allowed to double dip? You know what I mean? Like who takes care of that? Yeah. So there's a few schools of thought. What I've seen is that the couple will ask the bartenders not to put out a tip jar and they then give those bartenders a very handsome tip. If a guest still decides to give a bartender a tip, that's totally fine. But the jar kind of implies that it's like mm, asking for it. Got it. Other couples are totally fine with the tip jar out. They'll maybe tip the bartender too, but a lesser amount factoring in the idea that guests are going to tip. And some gladly say do both. I have a bride I just talked to this past week and she works in the service industry and she goes, I'm going to give my renters a tip. Please let them put out a tip jar. And I was like, absolutely. She's like, the more people that tip them, I want them to earn money. So that's kind of it. I think the biggest thing is if you're not comfortable with them having a jar out, you need to make sure you take care of that because otherwise that is really how they make their livelihood for that night. Okay. So then the other question about tips also is the wait staff and things like that. Is that something that's paid beforehand or can you like walk up at the end of the night and be like to the mater D and hand him an envelope with cash in it? You know what I mean? Like how's that taken care of? Same with the bartenders, right? Yeah. The best thing you can do the week of your wedding is to ask your venue or your catering manager how many people are going to be there. By the week of the wedding, they should have an idea. And from there, you can kind of determine how much you're going to need to tip that person. I prefer that the tip is given in the middle of the night, like around cocktail hour, because sometimes some of the staff goes home early and this way they can make sure that they all get paid. You can wait until the end of the night. That's not necessarily as much for you to worry about as them. But I do recommend that if it's not included in your invoice, and for some it is, if it's not included in your invoice, that that should be one envelope that gets sent or given to the catering manager, mater D, house manager, venue coordinator, whatever it is, for them with instructions that this is who that all goes to. Got it. I love that. This is like the personal touch in me, right? Like, I can't remember. I think it was included when Rachel and I got married. Like, it was just a line item on the final invoice. But then our wedding pros, I'm pretty sure I gave envelopes to... I remember I gave you the stamp. Do you remember the stamp that I gave you at the rehearsal dinner night before? It was like an embosser. It's really pretty. I loved it. Anyway, so you have actually put together like a super amazing webpage guide on your website that is www.dpnac.com slash tips. Yeah, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But yeah, I created the guide because it's a question I get constantly, though usually not until much later in the game. So it breaks down every single category, roughly a good range of what you want to consider tipping them and then when and how to give them that tip as well. Gotcha. Cool. This next one is one that I definitely see in the morning couples and especially bridesmaids telling bride like you need to eat. And it's just because as you're getting whisked away through the day, you are forgetting about food. You're forgetting about drinking and staying hydrated. You're forgetting about just the basic necessities because every minute really is scheduled. So tip number four is plan for food and hydration on your wedding day outside of the, we're going to sit down at the reception and eat. Yeah, it's wild almost how many conversations we have about the appetizers and the first course and the cocktails and the signature drinks and the dinners. And we forget that there's many hours that take place before those food and drinks start slinging. So slinging? Yeah, you, Dan, don't crush my vibe. <laughs> 
Dude's totally harsh in my mellow, bro. <laughs> yeah, but there is. There's a lot of hours that take place before all that starts. And not to say is you need to put as much thought and effort and meetings into what you're eating earlier in the day, but you do need to make a plan. I know that not everybody is a planner, but I promise you that that morning, you've got a lot of people in and out. You've got a lot of things happening. The opportunity to stop, say, what do we want to eat? Where are we going to get it from? Order it, have somebody go pick it up. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself that morning to just plan it a little bit in advance, whether you're arranging it with the hotel, with Panera, Wawa does bagel. Like there's all kinds of options out there, but make a little bit of a plan or a lot of bit of a plan if you're anything like me and do yourself a solid. Yeah, definitely a solid food choice during getting ready. A mimosa is not a breakfast. That is true. Like something that is substantial that you on any other day you're eating a breakfast or you're eating a lunch, make sure you're having a real meal that is fuel for your body that you can work through the day on. But then in between weddings that I've been in, weddings that I have photographed, some of the greatest things, like when I go back on the trolley or the party bus after the ceremony, you're kind of driving around that plate of pretzels, the... I don't know, hoagies. It's not really hoagies on the thing. Actually, one of the wedding I was in a couple years ago, Holly and Ryan. Ryan, I think, had this massive bag of McDonald's. They just had, I think it was like 200 chicken nuggets and 10 things of McDonald's fries. And everybody got back on the bus and was like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. You know, like you're just going, going, going and just having something greasy and delicious like McDonald's fries as like a little snack or in this area, it's Philly pretzel, factory pretzel, like the pretzel tray. That kind of stuff is just like a very welcome snack between ceremony and reception. If everything's all in one location, obviously it's a little bit different. But yeah, just planning those like little snacks along the way or asking your venue if you're getting there early. Like I have a wedding tomorrow at a venue that's very well known for like you get there early, you do first look and all that stuff. And the venue works with the couple. They've got food lined up for after the first look and everybody's hanging out before the ceremony and all that stuff. So. I have to say, I love when a venue does that. It's one of my favorite little things that a venue does is just bringing them a little bit of food, some drinks. That to me goes such a long way. Yep. You remember our wedding, they brought out like a little snack tray and the drinks, even though Rachel and I didn't drink on our wedding day, they brought out like a little snack plate during pictures and it was great, right? Just like a little like, here you go, just a little little something to keep your spirits up. (laughs) You paid a lot for all of this. You should at least get a bite of the stuffed mushroom cap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I feel like I'm going to add something in here. If you have like a signature drink or something like that and you are planning on drinking, don't forget to get a taste of your signature drink. Another thing that couples often forget is trying the stuff from their wedding. Eating the wedding cake even happens all the time. They forget about it. That's 4A, that tip, because I can't goof up my list now, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. The numbers will not change. On to the next one. Number five, I am begging you, please, (laughs) I'm on my knees. When you're planning your timeline, meaning this is what time we're going to get ready and this is what time we're taking photos, I implore you to account for extra buffers and pockets of time in your day. Now, what does that mean? Because... That's very, very relative. For example, hair and makeup should be done at least 30 minutes before you need to get dressed. I know getting dressed does not take you actually 30 minutes to put on your undergarments, your outfit, and some jewelry. Yeah, I know. It doesn't actually take 30 minutes, but you 
need these little pockets of time where you can use the restroom, powder your nose, reapply deodorant, take a second for yourself to just breathe, or I'll say it, poop, because... Poop happens. Poop happens, exactly. All these little bits of time, if you stack your day in a way that's like boom, 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 and you don't allow any time for breath... It can look really good on paper, but that day rushing from point A to point B to point 75, you're going to be exhausted and just mentally very, very drained. Yeah, the transportation thing is also another big part where it's like, all right, well, it's just five minutes. Like it's right down the road. It's like, no, 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 it might be five minutes drive time, but getting people on the bus, getting people off the bus, then like everybody's talking and chatting it up and everybody's having a good time. So like getting organized, it's 15. Yeah. And who forgot their sunglasses? Oh, hold on. I need my sunglasses in the room. Wait, did anybody see my phone? Where's my bouquet? I need my bouquet. Or like all the guys still have their beers in their hand and they have to walk away and put them down out of the shot. Like happens all the time. And traffic, right? Like doesn't matter every single time. I don't care if you're in a city, out of the city, there's going to be a herd of cows that walks across the... (laughs) road in front of you. I use that example because it literally happened. There's just a lot of stuff that goes into it. It's not just a simple five minutes drive. There's a lot going into it. So transportation, add extra time for that. Yeah, extra time. And this is really to Dan's credit, that timeout time after your ceremony, your time, just five, 10 minutes. As soon as you have your ceremony, you sneak away with your partner and you just take that time. Please build that time into your day. Even if you're doing family photos right after your ceremony, you can still take that time. I do it with all of my couples now. We gather up all their family. Once we have their family, we bring them all back and it's perfect. I love that. And Dan, I know you have a lot of good stories that you've shared before from that couple timeout. Yeah, listen, if there's one thing in this whole entire episode that I'm the most passionate about, it is absolutely the wedding day timeout. 100%, if you take anything away, it is the wedding day timeout. Whenever a couple says, what are we forgetting? What are we forgetting to do? What do we need to do? The first thing I mention is the wedding day timeout because rarely do we have a 24-hour day that is scheduled from the moment you get up to the time you go to sleep, right? Like, And you have to be on and you have to be around people and you have to have the face on. Even for somebody who loves to be around people like myself, You just want that moment to connect with the person who you love the most, and you don't get it on your wedding day unless you schedule it in. So I think that there's a bunch of different ways. Yes, after the ceremony, you know, in the Jewish wedding tradition in their ceremony, they have this thing called the Yuchid. I think it's how you pronounce it, where traditionally after the ceremony, they literally get locked into a room and nobody can bother them. But there's many other times in all the other episodes that I've mentioned where couples just at some point in the day, whether it was right after the ceremony, whether it was during the reception, they just went off to the side and just talk and just was almost as if they were sitting on a mountaintop, like surveying their land, like all the stuff that has come together in this final moment, just a minute to step away from everybody else and connect as a couple. However you do that, it's on you. But that is the number one thing that I hope that you take away from this is to take five, 10, 15 minutes to yourselves to connect as a couple on your wedding day and really soak in what's actually happening. Yeah, I don't care if you're introverted, extroverted, if you're an introverted, extrovert, it's a long day. And it's important as you plan all of it to remember that you are human. And like Dan said, rushing through the day and packing it with all the things just really only makes it go by faster. So the more you can do to put yourself first, plan a really realistic day to the best of your ability. And if you're not sure, Ask your pros, hire a planner. These are all people that have seen things before. And if they're telling you, hey, this looks good on paper, but it's not going to quite roll like this, hear them. 
please hear their words and know that they're trying to help you through all that. Yep, absolutely. The next one, I don't think we really need to go into like super detail on. I think we can talk for hours. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to say that sometimes when couples don't practice their first kiss, um, uh, it can be interesting looking in the pictures. <laughs> oh, what a politically correct way to say it. Here's what I do. Every single rehearsal when I'm running it, I will tell the couple, you need to practice the first kiss right now. We need to get the weird one out of our system. <laughs> because we only have some of the people here watching us. And it's for some of us, and I would even say for most of us, it's weird to kiss your significant other in front of your parents and grandparents and all these wonderful people that are there. We don't just do that on a regular basis. So for some of us, it's let's just practice it. And you practice it and you get the weird one out and that's good. But it is of my opinion that it's a good idea when you're home in the privacy of your home where you could be silly and do whatever. Figure out how you're going to do this. Whose nose is going in what direction? Like, we don't have to overthink it, but you can't just go in. We've all been there, guys. You know when you're like, what, 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 all right. It's like you're in eighth grade all over again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if you need a little prep on, like, what looks good, the step together hug kiss looks good. Really? Yeah. Hug first. Uh, I mean, you don't have to hug first, but like think of like the hug and kiss. Oh, like the embrace. Yes, the embrace and then kiss. So I've definitely seen like hands on hips, eighth grade dance kind of picture, a kind of kiss where like they lean in together. But like the hug and smooch is a nice one. If you're more comfortable hugging, but like you want to do the first kiss, do a hug with like a little peck and you're good. Yeah. I've also seen couples the opposite way kind of forget that there were people there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you know what? More power to you. I just think it's good to get the weird one out. Wow, they're really in love. Or other things. <laughs> I love the hand on the cheek. That to oh. me is like my most favorite kiss if Michael is listening <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> that is my most favorite one. Oh, I love it. Yeah, practice first kiss. Okay, moving on. Yep, number seven. This is you. This is all you. Talk about the rain plan. Yeah. I get that for many of us, the idea of the rain plan is not our ideal option. It is, it's like second place trophy. And when you book your venue, keep in mind, whatever the rain plan is, you need to at least accept it as the rain plan because I promise you there is a chance of rain on your wedding day, no matter how big or small the chance or what day of the year it is or what the farmer's almanac says, there is still a chance of weather happening on your wedding day, even extreme heat, whatever it is. Yep. I have a theory that the more I talk about the rain plan and the more I know what that rain plan is, the less I have ever needed the rain plan. In my 11, 12 year career, where are we at? 11 years? Yep. The few times that I've been hit by massive, massive storms has been when the couple has refused to talk about the rain plan and has only planned with rose colored <laughs> goggles on, which is fine. That's totally their choice. But the more I'm able to squeeze out of my people the rain plan, the less we've ever needed the rain plan. Obviously, there's variables at play, but... You need to know what it is. And not just for the big moments. This isn't just the big moment stuff. It's also for the little moments too, like just photos. Okay, we're going to go to this beautiful park. If it rains, we'll go to this covered bridge that's also really pretty. That's all you got to do. 
Yep. I think it's that simple. I mean, it's so funny. I'm glad you said the whole thing about the more you plan and prep for it, the less you feel like you need it. Cause that has absolutely been my experience too. And sure. Like I've definitely had weddings on and we had the bad weather episode, which was very early on with hurricane Irene and with this crazy October 29, 2011 snowstorm that we had, but those are some of the most memorable weddings that I've ever had. And the pictures didn't get ruined, right? Like it's just a different aesthetic. It's just a different thing that happened. And it is for sure some interesting stories. But yeah, we talked about it. We figured out what was happening, especially when you see a hurricane coming up on your wedding day. But it ended up being awesome when we got through it. And here's the thing to remember about bad weather. If you're hearing this and you're already having sweaty palms, you're still going to get married. You're still going to have a party. Like it's still going to be amazing. Even the couple, Kristen and Joe, if they're listening, that might be awesome. They legit had a cancellation in their reception where they did not have a wedding reception the night of their wedding. But through an amazing set of circumstances with the wedding venue, they had one the next day and it was the most crazy wedding reception I've ever been to. It was like 12 to 4 the following day after this crazy snowstorm and it was spectacular. Keep your people safe. That's what it comes down to first and foremost. Everything else, it's going to come together and it's going to be beautiful. Yep. Crushed it. Next one, number eight. And some of you already know this because I know there's a lot of really good, wonderful people out there who want to make sure this happens. I want you to make sure that you feed your wedding pros. And this is the people that are there on site through the reception. This is your DJ and band, your photographer, your videographer, your planner, anybody else that's there through the reception and there for longer than like four or five hours. It's one of those things where it's such a sweet thing, right? Especially for people who are there for a long time. We've talked about this before, but I think it comes down to being a good host. Like when Rachel and I got married, we had this feeling that like, if you're one serving us, that's awesome. We're going to take care of you. And we viewed the reception space as like our house. It's not literally our house. And like, obviously we're renting it, but like, if you come underneath our roof, we're going to take care of you. And that was kind of how we viewed it. Like the driver of the trolley who was just like hanging out, waiting for everybody for the reception. And we invited him inside and was like, Hey man, have a meal on us. Right. Like we told him that early on, obviously our photographers and you, Danielle, and your assistant, like all that stuff. It was just like, we're going to take care of our people as if you were a guest of ours. Yeah. And it goes beyond to just being a gracious host and being thoughtful for many of your vendors. It's also built into your contract. So understand that going in, make sure you know what's going on. And I err on the side of if you're there for the reception, you're probably eating and I'm asking you how many meals you need and you know if you've got assistance and all those different things. And I tell all my clients, this is the best way to handle it. It's just what you got to do. What's your take on like a vendor meal versus like the food that the guests are eating? Like, how do you handle that stuff with your couples? So in this area, it really, really varies based off of the caterer and the venue. What I've seen over the past few years is more of a swing in a direction that whatever the guests are fed, the vendors just get fed that as well, because it's often easier to just cook more of the food that the kitchen is already cooking versus trying to create another meal entirely. That said, there are still some where we've gotten just a buffet of like a great salad, pasta, protein option, which I don't mind that either. I think on the whole, most of your vendors will prefer and ask for a hot meal over some sort of boxed sandwich situation. 
I personally love the box sandwich. I don't know why. I'm thankful for anything, but I think it's better to err on the side of either feeding them what your guests are being fed, unless your venue says, hey, we have this really great system. We feed them this. It's a buffet. They can help themselves whenever they want. It's in this other room. Then to me, that makes a lot of sense too. I'm team hot meal. Hot meal. <laughs> That's a hot meal summer. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm team hot meal. Hot meal summer. You got that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm here for that. Yeah. So I'm team hot meal, but it doesn't have to be what the guests are eating. Like, I get it that you don't have to spend $150 on a plated dinner for me. Some of the best meals I've had were just literally, like you said, a buffet of pasta with red sauce. Give me the carbs. Give me a salad. Give me the bread. Oh, God. <gasps> bread with butter. Oh, damn, oh. the bread. Oh, the bread. <laughs> <laughs> the bread. <laughs> After a long day, just like, oh, warm roll. I'm doing the hand gesture of slathering the butter on the roll. Oh, after being on my feet for eight hours, and I've still got five hours left to go. Give me the butter, baby. Give me the butter. Come back, Dan. Come back to me. Yes, I'm here. Okay, moving on from the butter. <laughs> All right, number nine, ninth thing you don't want to forget, make sure your wedding website is updated before your invitations go out. Dan, do you know why this is a really good thing to do? So all the information matches. Yeah. Here's the thing. You probably created your wedding website 12 months ago. You did it and you're like, good, that thing is done. And I don't have to think about it for a little bit. But time has passed since you first created it. Maybe you need to update your wedding party or your transportation information or hotel lodging or your registries. Checking your registries is a really big thing. If you've had a shower or something, you want to make sure that there's still some gift options or a really great way to contribute to the honeymoon or your house or whatever it is. Yep. Are the links correct? Is the time correct? Before you send out those invitations, make sure all that information is correct because y'all, we get those invitations, they're going to the website and they are checking those details and you don't want to find out after the fact, ooh, shoot, we have that the shuttle's leaving at 4.30, we actually change it to be four o'clock, ugh! Yeah, by the time that those invitations go out, things have really started to be ironed out. And even if you did things at five months out or four months out, a lot of stuff changes after you start meeting with your coordinator, if you meet with your photographer, like as you start wrapping up those details, things really start to come together and they can change even nuances very quickly and something that you don't even think about that you change. Like, oh yeah, that makes total sense because you're talking with wedding pros and they help you along the process. So just have the invitation in front of you, have your notes from your meetings in front of you and go through and just make sure all the dots, uh, all the T's are dotted and the I's are crossed. Nailed it. <laughs> oh, this one, I want to do the first part of the next one. Yes. Gentlemen and ladies, bring some backup attire, backup accessories for the wedding day. And the number one thing that I always think about is if it's hot out, well, actually, if it's not a hot out, it's really easy to sweat in a suit, right? Yes. A lot of layers. So if you're having a first look and like all that stuff before the ceremony, the last thing you want to do is show up and feel grimy and sweaty and stinky. Bring an extra shirt or just bring an extra undershirt. That is tremendously helpful, even if it's not a super hot day. I can promise that you're underneath some stress. Maybe you're underneath a hot light if you're having an indoor ceremony and you will be sweating and you're going to want to have that extra fresh, crisp, clean shirt to bring along with you. Yes. I think it's often that when we try on our attire for the wedding day, we often try it on in short periods of time. We don't really walk around in it. We kind of like look at ourselves in the mirror and, you know, picture the hair and picture the accessories, but we don't really live in it 
until that day. And suddenly we're not just in it for an hour. We're in it for 12 plus hours sometimes. And I think it's a good idea to, I'll just say, maybe have a change of undergarments just in case. Pack a little bag for yourself, a change of undergarments. You don't want stuff getting sweaty down there. And it's gunta. It's possible. I've been down there. I get it. (laughs) So change of shoes, also a really good idea. Even if you don't use it, having it in a little bag that's on site that you know if you need it, you can go grab it is like such a game changer in terms of freeing up your mental headspace that when you're about to get introduced, you're not thinking, ah, I'm pretty sure I smell and I should not lift my arms because I don't have deodorant. Just saying. (laughs) Nailed it. All right. So after the wedding. Last but not least. Last but not least. Tip number 11. Give yourself some time after the wedding before leaving for the honeymoon. Although I will say legit one of my couples that I just spoke with, they're coming home, their bags are packed, and they're literally leaving. That's amazing. Yeah. And like that was what they had always talked about doing. Like that's what they want to do. She had like this vision of just doing that and then getting whisked away onto a honeymoon. And so that's what they're doing. And it's really adorable. But give yourself downtime. It's a very old school traditional in a very romantic sort of way. I love it. I think it's not right for everybody. It is not right for everybody, especially because honeymoons are often much bigger trips, I think, than they were in the past. You're not just being whisked off to the Catskills for a weekend where you have your getaway bag. You're packing a lot of stuff. You've got passports, you've got legal documents, you've got all the things. And I think for some couples, it's smart to say, hmm, how much are we going to have to do the week of the wedding? And in that time, how much time are we going to have to pack for this trip that we're also taking immediately after. You don't have to take several weeks of a break. You need to do what's right for you. But I like the idea of giving yourself a little bit of time to wind down a little, pack, and then get re-excited. Like, think about it. You get to have this amazing party. You get the next day to like sleep in. And then the next day after that, you can pack. And then that night, maybe you go. It doesn't need to be a lot, just a little. Yeah, let's say you have a stereotypical Saturday wedding. Wedding's awesome. Next day, maybe like everybody's still around. So you meet people for breakfast, brunch, hang out a little bit, continue the wedding vibes into Sunday. And then Sunday night, you're probably back at your place or something and you're getting excited again for the wedding. You don't leave on Monday. Maybe you can leave Monday night, but Monday morning is all about going to the bank and putting (laughs) all the money that you got from your wedding in the bank. I'm telling you, even if it's $500, even if it's $100 that you have a super tiny wedding and somebody gives you $100, you're going to want to put that money in the bank. And then you can leave after that. Sometimes couples have weddings where they get thousands and thousands of dollars and you do not want thousands and thousands of dollars of checks sitting at your house or your apartment until you get back from your honeymoon in a week or two. Cash those dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where that came from. My lingo gets progressively worse as I get through every single podcast. That's just what it comes down to. So these are things that we share that we've seen that have made just little differences or even big differences in the day. If you have something that you're like, ah, we're going to do this really cool thing and we'd love to share it with others. We want to hear about it. Feel free to send us a message over on Instagram. But hopefully this helps you on your path and it gave you some like major bonus points in the wedding planning department. And you got this. Yeah, you got it. Let's do it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Put A Ring On A Podcast. Before we wrap up this episode, we just want to send some love and gratitude and hugs to all of our patrons in the Ringer Club. We would not be here without you. Thank you so much. You are the best. 
Absolutely. And let's be real. Things are way easier when you have a solid support system who is going through it right alongside you. So please join the Ringer Club community today at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Just click the link in our show notes. The Ringer Club is the best way to support the show and receive direct access to Danielle and I. Plus, you have an entire community of Ringers helping too on Facebook. Membership is just eight bucks a month, and we have a limited number of spots available at a lower monthly rate where you get all the same benefits. Again, that's patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Another way you can support the show is to rate, review, and subscribe in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram, where you can catch some more tips, see Dan's amazing photos, and watch some of our behind-the-scenes shenanigans. Follow us at Put a Ring on It Podcast. Okay, Ringers, remember, we're here to help you. But no matter whose advice you follow or what decisions you make, know that your wedding's going to be amazing. Because you rock. Until next time, Ringers. Okay. Uh, do you want to do the dad joke here? Yeah, that was a good episode. It was. It's like we know what we're doing sometimes. <laughs> How can I bring this one in? Does it involve a llama? No. Oh, thank God. It involves peanuts. What? Peanuts. Oh. They are funny. Um, what did one peanut say to the other peanut after the robbery? What? Did you hear? He was assaulted. <laughs> Goodness me, oh my. That's all I got today. I was trying to figure out one with, you could call me butter because I'm on a roll. I was thinking about that one earlier in the episode. Oh, when you were talking about bread. Yeah, butter. You can call me butter because I'm on a roll. I was making jokes, but I had nothing. I'm here for carbs all day long and dairy, quite frankly. But again, just glad it wasn't a llama joke. Dairy makes you farty, though. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> dairy makes you stinky.